Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I am Francisco Segundolo, and you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Here we are. We're refreshed after Roland Garros. We've had a good sleep and we wake up trying to work out, was it all a dream? Well, I can confirm it was not. Rafael Nadal wins number 14 and number 22 and goes two ahead in the Grand Slam race ahead of Novak Djokovic, who is sitting there twiddling his thumbs thinking what if i'd have defeated nadal at roland garros how are you jg have you had time to absorb this amazing news no i haven't i mean it still feels so fresh it feels great um it couldn't have gone any better really roland garros in the end with rafa nadal winning it nobody can say he had an easy route he played so many top 10 players en route. He had to beat Novak Djokovic as well to get there, which makes it more special for me. And I've been saying in the build-up, Ben, I've been being very big on Rafa Nadal, despite the problem in Rome with his foot against Shapovalov. I was saying I'm quite happy with the prospect that we are going to be getting uh, potentially a Nadal-Djokovic quarterfinal because I believe Nadal will want revenge. I think he had that extra incentive from what happened last year. He doesn't. He hardly loses here, and I, I knew he was going to win. I knew he was going to beat Novak Djokovic. With regards to the whole event, there could have been a slip up in the semis. I wasn't so sure, um, but he managed to come through that as well. And it was just a remarkable tournament. He wasn't at his best, but I'm thrilled. I believed in him from the beginning. I picked him in my bracket. I picked Eager as well, and they both came through. So two of my favourites winning. And in terms of what it now means, the magnitude of this. It's 22 grand slams. He's increased the gap at the top. He's added an extra one. Uh, Novak Djokovic and Federer are both on 20. It couldn't be any better for me. Literally. I mean, who'd have thought it? I know that we sort of uh, said this 
on the last or the end of the match uh, yesterday as well. We were sort of talking about in the draw previews last night. Just back in November, back in December time, there just wasn't even really. It was just thinking about can Rafael Nadal just get back on a tennis court was the main aim for this year and see him playing again would have been reward enough for tennis fans, especially Rafa fans out there. But he has not only got back on a tennis court, he has gone on to win the Australian Open, had the best start to his year that he's ever had in his career. And now he's just captured Roland Garros again, despite well, what we're hearing now, like I listened to that uh, yep. post-match press conference. I didn't realize, yeah, very, very interesting. I didn't realize the extent to what they have to do to his foot to actually allow him to play. He is playing with a foot with no feeling in, which is, for me, so dangerous that he was even saying, there's a chance I can roll my ankle and I can't feel my foot. Like I said, I could run around. There's, there's a chance I could seriously injure myself in a match. And, I just think it's incredible that he didn't go over on his ankle or anything, and he still managed to finish the entire tournament and win Roland Garros again. Credit to the guy. I mean, he did everything within his power to win this Grand Slam again for his fans and uh, for himself, because he just says he absolutely loves it, and he had to take the chance and the risk, and it was a risk, but it paid off. Yeah, he so. knew he knew that he could if him playing at Roland Garros with his record there and the way he just seems his game is so suited to the Chatelier clay, it works perfectly. It's a match made in heaven. He was gonna do whatever he could to make sure he can play. And this is why I believed he could win from the start, because knowing he had his doctor there and knowing that him himself and Carlos um uh, not Carlos Moya, Mark oh. uh, Mark Lopez I was oh, saying okay. at the start as well, discussing the prospect that because he's um, because his doctor's there, they believed, his whole team basically, believed that he could make it all the way through to Sunday if need be. And on that basis, I'm confident he can win it. I mean, how can you look past him with the record he's got? 112 wins, three losses now. It's astonishing. It really is. And... I'm surprised you did look past it. I mean, it's not just you. You had John well... Silk as well. There was a lot of people who really just did not believe in him enough. And we was having so many conversations over a few wines and beers in Zagreb. And you both come with the narrative to me of what was happening in Rome and his, and the foot and this and that. And there just seemed to be so many excuses. I understand the concerns with the foot, but knowing that he had that his team were confident, he seemed confident, and that he was taking this extra risk, as you say, like with the injections. Yeah, I mean it was it's... never it was never going to be too much of an issue, was it? It was a massive risk, though. I didn't realize how much of a bigger risk it was until I heard that uh, that interview. And it was really great to actually hear the full insight uh, from him. Obviously, he gets bored talking about the foot all the time that he's there to talk about the tennis. But it is very interesting because we don't know the insides and the outs of what he has to go through to get through a match. And apparently, it was before every single match. He he said it said he. The way he dressed up is my foot is asleep the, the whole time yeah. that he's playing these matches. And I don't know if, well, if anybody's, I, even when I sat on my foot for like half an hour and then I try and walk around the room, God, that's a terrible time. I don't know what I'm doing. don't know how you play four hours of tennis on a tennis court running without feeling what your foot's doing. I mean, there must be some, I don't buy into what he was saying fully. It seems it's just to two nerves in the top of his foot. 
So they're the yeah. two that causes the issues. He's now going to be getting some treatment on them two nerves to try and reciprocate the same feeling he's had with the injections. And if he can get that, then he will hopefully try and play Wimbledon, which is amazing news. Uh, just quickly go to the live chat. We're not ignoring you guys. Yeah, we've got a she saying, "JG, can you say vamos with your with uh <laughs> with Rafa and my name in it?" Well, this one's for you, Ashish. Vamos, Rafa. <laughs> There we go. That's for you. We've got Gene in said, hey, guys, how are we hey, doing, Gene? Uh, Gene's also sent a super chat in. Let's bring that up. Cheers, so Gene. You can find it. Oh, um, I, don't so. think it's a, I don't think it's a chat, actually. It's just a sticker. So oh, I appreciate just... that, Gene. Thanks, Gene. And we've got Gary saying, I admit, I did not give enough weight to the fact that the doctor basically eliminated, eliminated the feeling in the foot. And I think a lot of you didn't, really. No. Um, without get, digging anyone out too much. I thought I've only got you here to speak to, really, because you can you out. can react. You did you put too much emphasis on that alone with the injections. It wasn't that that's a a, a non non entity really because he's able to play his tennis without feeling the foot. And a Rafael Nadal in the form coming into this, like I said, he beat Daniel Medvedev on the hard courts of Australia oh, yeah. after losing two sets. For me. A lot of people will disagree. They'll say it's Djokovic. I think Daniel Medvedev right now is the best hardcore player in the world. They're neck and neck, him and Djokovic, but he's right up there. He's better than the Dow on a hard court, generally. Rafael Nadal was able to eliminate him and beat him in that final. That showed everything to me on terms of what level he's able to produce and what fight he had for this year. Going into Roland Garros, an event which he's so good at, I don't understand why so many people didn't believe in him. It wasn't just even on the tennis uh, league as well. There were so many people who didn't really back him. Why? I don't think it was Look even at his record. Yeah, I don't think that was the it's reason. So naive. It was, it was not. That was not part of my thought process coming in. Was if Rafa's foot is good and ready to go. If he hadn't have had that Rome thing, I think I would have had him winning Roland Garros. And that's my personal opinion. That uh, that's how well he's played this year. I thought. Coming up into Roland Garros, it was going to be incredible. And I thought that if he continued that winning run or that winning mentality, I didn't think anyone could stop him. But when, as soon as I saw it flare up again, it gave me shades of the semi-final again and it put everything into doubt. And even the bookmakers, they had him third favourite for the tournament, which is madness, really. I never had him third. I always had him second, which was a little bit better, but still disrespectful, really, looking at it. I didn't give enough credit to his doctor. I didn't give enough credit to his team. I feel that Rafa, I don't know. He still may even have had some sort of pain. Who knows? Like this, He's still probably fighting through some adversity. But that was the main thing. It got eliminated enough so that he could play his best tennis. And we all know when Rafa plays his best tennis at Roland Garros, and it wasn't even his best. I would say most of the matches about 50%. It's maybe 60%. He just played... 90% uh, or to 100 in about one or two games in every match. And that was enough to big get moments. through until big, the final. Big moments. The Zverev <laughs> tie break. Yeah. Felix fifth set. Uh, the matches before the Van der Zand slip one in spells was great as well. Uh, and of course, the final, whenever when it went 3-1 down, didn't lose a game after that, moment, that point. So he hit God mode when he needed to. Exactly. And I'm very encouraged with what I saw. I feel now he's. this is not going to be his last role on Garros. I believe he can be back there. I see a hunger in his eyes. I see something very special. He keeps reflect, deflecting off the fact that he's not so bothered about the Grand Slam race uh, and the numbers and being the greatest. That doesn't mean much to him. 
Um, I believe it means a little bit more than what he says. I know a lot of other Rafa fans disagree with me. I think that is a bigger thing than which he makes out. As you know, like as soon as he wins a Grand Slam, he gets some new trainers the next week with a number on. I mean, if the number didn't mean that much, maybe that's all sponsors and other people. But I feel it is, it's definitely a big thing. And look at this number here. 14 now, Roland Garros titles, Ben. It's unbelievable. I mean, I know that that's his word, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have any other word for it. How does someone win 14 at one tournament? That's the bizarre thing. That's just domination, utter domination from the start of his career to where he is now in the present. And call me mad, but I think if he plays it again, it could be 15. That's <laughs> that mad? I don't think of it course is. It's not. Of course it's not. And look at this. This this graphic, I think, is brilliant. You can see Rafael Nadal's 14 Roland Garros titles. Pete Sampras, 14 Grand Slams, by the way. Uh, Novak Djokovic there on 20, Roger 20, and Rafael Nadal now. He's increased the gap at 22. And we can talk about all of the Roland Garros things. I don't know where you want to go next, but just while we have this graphic up, maybe we should talk about the slam race between these three. Um, yeah. Roger, I think we're both in agreement. We think it's going to be very tough for him to win another Grand Slam, if not Definitely. impossible. Um, I think it would be great to even see him at another Grand Slam, let alone win one. That's going to be a big ask. Novak Djokovic, though, of course, he will be favourite for a lot of a lot more slams. We spoke last year, me, you and John, and we spoke about the Grand Slam race. I believe Rafael Nadal is going to end with the most, um, but it's not going to be easy. I know um, no. some people were calling me out in the Discord saying I've already been saying that. I've not said that until right now, but I believe Rafael Nadal will have the most. Um, but what I'm saying is, do you still believe Novak Djokovic can eclipse the 22? I still think he can, yeah. I mean, it just depends uh, how long Rafa keeps playing as well. Because if Rafa suddenly was to retire, let's say, whilst Djokovic continued playing on the tour, then I feel that Djokovic not having to meet him ever again in a slam would be good for him, always. Uh, and it would give... He might relax a bit more. He'd feel like, oh, I've got a little bit more time to play with now. And I feel that Djokovic... We know that Wimbledon's sort of his one. It's sort of like he's as dominant there these days as Rafa is at Roland Garros. So Djokovic at Wimbledon looks like a nearly sir, unless somebody comes through to really test him. And then obviously the Australian Open, that's another one that he's won nine of. So could he get to 10 there? Possible. Uh, the US Open's more up for grabs, I'd say. So with Djokovic, you're still backing him to, to overtake Rafa? Yeah, I still think he can overtake Rafa, but it just depends how long Rafa plays, though, because if Rafa keeps playing at that level at Roland Garros, he could have another two Roland Garros titles, possibly. But who knows? Like, if he keeps playing, he could be on 24. I don't know. Like Djokovic, for me, he could still do the same maybe at Wimbledon and win another two or three Wimbledons, I think, if he played at his top level. Uh, and I still think he could win the Australian Open again. So it could be a, like a 25-24 race by the end. It could be like really close. I don't know. But I, he, Rafa's done everything to throw my uh, my theory before into a doubt. Because I had Djokovic winning probably by about three. I said I think I did 25-22 and then Federer not to win anymore. Yeah. So I think we're in and around the the ballpark now but I think Rafa could win more now <laughs> that's the thing he's really like he's really proved me you underestimated wrong. him you really did and we've got I'm Pamela in made his whole team mate we've got Rafa a Rafa fan here I don't think it's about him not caring about the number itself like full team run on Garros I think he doesn't care 
the number being compared to Novak and Roger. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, of course. Rafa, when he does speak, he often talks about how it doesn't mean anything to him to be the greatest in terms of them, but he loves the number for himself uh, in terms of what, what he's able to achieve, his own individual success, 14 Roland Garros, 22 Grand Slams. That's great. He just, yeah. it doesn't mean anything in comparison for him. I, I thought that's it was what quite, she's trying to say. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was quite interesting uh, hearing him talk about the reasoning for why he would get, uh, like, I don't know, not like surgeries, but like the stuff with the foot as well. Because they were saying, like, what is your motivation to keep going? You've already won 22 grand. You've won 14 Roland Garrises. Are you not going to be worried about keep playing to, like, well, is it going to not benefit you after you finish your career in tennis? And his answer was, the reason that I want to get my foot, like, well, feeling good again is because I want to do the things that I like doing and I like playing tennis. <laughs> I really want to keep playing tennis. So that's the one thing. He really would love the foot to be good so that he could play tennis more. And he's fighting against that. He said, if there's a way that they can give him anti-inflammatories and he doesn't have to take these injections and it makes his foot die down, and his foot dies down for a very long period of time. He's going to stay on the tour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's going to want to. He's going to want to. He looked hungry. He's he still feels for me. I look into his eyes. I see a young Rafa in there. Yeah, like he's he's so. not ready to give it up. And there's been a lot of talk about is this going to be one of his last few Grand Slams? I don't think it is. Now I feel very encouraged with what I've seen. Obviously, the injections is not a long term solution. It's just a temporary one for Roland Garros this event. He's not going to be doing the same at Wimbledon, like you said. Yeah. Um, if he is to play, let's wait and see. He's a very positive man, like he says. And I'm hoping that we can find a really good solution to allow him to play pain-free. Uh, I like Sam yeah. saying, Ben yeah. JG, Rafa has won Roland Garros as world number one, <laughs> two, three, four, and five. I think it's crazy he was coming into this one as world number five for a yeah. start. Um, that's terrible for the rest of all of them see I mean it was <laughs> it's really bad having Rafa as a world number five at the moment for Roland Garros specifically yeah. and the draw was a bit of a travesty um, let's talk about the final because in that final Casper Ruud it wasn't a fair matchup was it I mean it was no. just very much typified by the fact that the top half was so strong and I feel all of the matches in preparation to the final was a good build up like Rafa had the warm up he needed Casper yep. Ruud, he wasn't really pushed as much because they weren't as good as the top half. But that's, and it's really yeah. difficult because would Casper Ruud have got there, say, if it was a more balanced draw? Probably not. No, um, But still, doesn't so. take it away from him being a top player. I think he could have possibly made a semi-final, but I don't know if he'd have made a final. Uh, but that's carries on nicely. Obviously, uh, he becomes now Nadal the third man to earn four top 10 wins at a Grand, a grand Slam event, which is... That's, that's well, it's a crazy, isn't it? Like, that's the side of that draw. That's how stacked it was. And then on Kasper Ruud's side, obviously you had a Grand Slam champion, Marilyn Chilich, in the semi-final. But Holger Rune, and it could have could have been a lot more difficult. Sissipas obviously going out in that one. Yeah. Didn't, didn't have to face the same level of competition, nowhere near. And when he got to the final, I think it was wishful thinking really to even think that he could take a set i mean the only reason i thought he could take a set is i think that you 
got in my head a little bit by saying Rafa's not been playing well this whole event. And I thought maybe there's a chance, like if his level goes down, that Rude might win. And it did go down, but for like two games or something. And then it came back with 11 games in a row. So if Rude had really put the pressure on in that second set, might have been able to get it, but it just was different class, wasn't it? It was like yeah. Master v Apprentice, and it definitely showed who the actual master was. Rafael Nadal destroyed him. It was crazy. Yeah, and like you said, Rafael's draw was tough, beating four top, top 10 players. I believe we've got one here, Sam. Players in the open era to beat four top 10 players on way to a slam final. We've got Willander, 1982. Federer, 2017. Remember, that was a really tough draw for Federer uh, en route to winning the Australian Open. And the Dow, 2022. So it's very unlikely you get so many top 10 players. And the Dow was over, even over, able to overcome that, which is remarkable. Uh, but before I forget, shout out to Gene Off-Air, who sent the Cheers, super Gene. chat. Uh, and he just wrote, here is a little uh, gift for you guys. Take it to celebrate the Rafa victory. Permission granted. Uh, cheers, Gene. We know you're a big Novak fan. And hopefully you get some good joy, all of you Novak fans, for Wimbledon. Your man going into that one as the favourite. It's hard to look past him right now. And that's, for me, going to make it even more interesting with the slam race. Because you do have um, Rafael Nadal going for the the gold, well, not the golden slam, the, the calendar year slam. There's no Olympics. Yeah. And he's going to have to beat Novak Djokovic at a Wimbledon potentially to get it, which I think is another great narrative. Uh, we've got Rod Laver, someone familiar with the calendar yeah. slam. He's congratulating Rafael Nadal, 14 French Opens, 22 majors, a flawless performance, caps off a grueling fortnight. I hope you get some rest now, halfway to the slam. <sighs> yeah. He goes. Well. I think it is a big ask, but I really liked that. Was another thing I like. It was quite a long post match interview that he had to do. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked Rafa's words about Wimbledon, like completely uh, shutting down the, some of those reports that came out from Marker. And he's and the respects that he shows for Wimbledon is very admirable as well. He's just said, What I can't believe like anybody would say that I wouldn't want to play Wimbledon. He said, this is one of the greatest tournaments like in the world. I, I've always he said, I, I wish I'm at Wimbledon yeah. every single year. This is like my dream. So I, I just think that Rafa's going to try his best to be there, obviously, but he only took this risk for Roland Garros because probably because he has the best chance of winning this, this tournament is his tournament really. And the Wimbledon one, I don't know if it's worth uh, taking the risk, injecting your foot so many times over the course of two weeks in a, in such a short space of time between tournaments. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'd love to see him there and I'd love to see him because he got to the semi-finals last time he was there. Uh, I think he could definitely at least get to a semi-final. Again, there's going to be less players in this draw as well. There's going to yeah. be less top players. It's a chance for him here. And I think he knows that as well. If he was to get uh, to a final, who knows what can happen with Rafael Nadal. We, anything is possible, I think. And that's why just live in hope. He makes you Rafa, believe. Yeah, he makes just you live, believe. live in hope that there's he's gonna they're going to find the solution and we don't have to do one of those pesky Nadal withdrawal videos. I don't want to do any more of them. <laughs> yeah, we've got Stolik. Stolic uh, Aldrin in saying, oh my God, the disrespect to Kasper. Didn't he beat the players who beat the number two and number four seeds? Let's just clarify that. 
I do not mean to disrespect Kasper Ruud, but for example, look at Sasha Zverev or Alcaraz, two other players on the Novak Djokovic and the Dow side. We know Alcaraz usually always beats Kasper Ruud. Zverev, in the form he was playing, probably would have as well. There was a lot of players there who he was he was quite fortunate getting, say, a Marin Cilic, yeah. Holgorun. Was it Gaston? Did he play? No, not Gaston. I'll have to have a quick check. Sorry. I forget, but the players he had on that side were a lot easier than, than, than the other side. Let's be honest. It's not taking it away from Kasparud. I still put him as one of the top 10 players for sure. And he is a class class talent, one who I think is only going to get better. Um, so I don't want to disrespect him at all. Sonego, when we're talking Rusevori. about the levels of things, it's not the same. I mean, Zverev or Alcaraz, I feel, would have beaten Rude. Well, her catch was his biggest like a uh, numbered player like that's when he's 13 yeah a 13th in the world so i mean and her catch not like formidable on the clay as we know he's uh it couldn't be a better person really to play even though her catch was playing well coming into it didn't even have didn't even have a break of serve on his uh service game i i still just think like you're clutching at straws a little bit there by saying he beat the people who beat these other people like he didn't have to beat those actual people Sissipas versus Rude might have been a completely different match we don't know that like Sissipas may have raised his level it might have been a different different thing so okay yeah apparently Stolich wasn't even talking to us anyway but yeah just to address that on the stream <laughs> <laughs> we've got um, it's, it's the most Grand Slam titles Ben WTA and ATP you can see Rafa there equaling Steffi Graf the great uh, yeah. Serena Williams, they're 23. We know she's hopefully going to be coming back for Wimbledon, potentially. Um, I don't know if she's going to get ever to get to 24. It's been a while since we've been talking about it. It looks unlikely. But maybe Rafael Nadal, not so unlikely. Can he get to 24, Ben? Can he be the person across the men and the women to have the most Grand Slams when he retires? It's possible. But the question we have to all uh, think about is, where is he going to pick them up? Is it just at Roland Garros? No. Or what do you is mean? He going to pick just at Roland? At the... He just won an Australian Open. US Opens is better hardcore slam as That's well. That's what I mean. Is that where's his next one going to come from? That's what I, I think. Sort it of can mean. be across any of them. Amazing. I like it. it I think this it depends a... on loads of loads of factors. Like yeah, we yeah. don't know. Imagine big some of the big players go out. Imagine Djokovic is unable to play at the US Open because of a vaccine mm. or something. That's only going to favour Rafael Nadal and give him more chances. Alcaraz struggles early or you never know it's sport that's the beauty yeah. of it and with his ability on any surface and let's just talk about his backhand a second because I think the the, the re, real key to him winning that final was his backhand cross court yep. he was pulling out Casper Casper Ruud out wide uh, and making the court just feel so big for poor Casper and then the backhand cross court was like a bullet and watching Kasper Rude's press conference, he was talking about the backhand of Rafa as something he was aiming to target. But he was shocked how good it was. That's what surprised him the most with Rafa. He was finding, it, he said it felt like playing. Um, it felt like a, a right-handed forehand. It was a bit mad though, wasn't it? Because he was hitting it so well cross court. But Kasper Rude, because he was trying to run around that uh, backhand and hit his forehand down the line all the time. And Rafa was saying... I knew that if he was going to try and do that, I would have to have my backhand really, really tight going cross court because this was the shot that they had worked out was was going to probably win them this match. And it turned out that his team were right. He ran round the backhand. He hits the ball down the line. And Rafa's uh, backhand was incredible. Just kept on just going 
boom, boom, cross court. And then Casper, he was getting there. But as soon as you've left the court open like that, some of them were winners. On some of them, he was just completely out of the, the rally then because he was just scrambling all the whole time. And we were sort of complaining about it. I mean, it was great tactics from Rafa, but Casper Ruud, we just wished he had a better backhand. <laughs> that was it really, wasn't it? There we go. There's the record just to confirm, Ben. 112 and three there losses. Um, is there a greater sporting achievement across any sport? I don't know. It's like one of these boxers that wins like 112 matches and only loses three. You'd probably talk about them in the same uh, breath, wouldn't you? Like all of the greats are always hundreds of Do they have that, that many fights? The old ones used to, yeah. That there's not so much the new breed. They sort of pick and choose. Like back in the day, they used to go like seventy and O or eighty and O and stuff. But yeah, th- these days they get to about forty or even less, and then they call it a day because of the money. But and here's yeah, some of the incredible. successes, Ben, with him with the trophy. You hey. can see how he's aging like fine wine. Uh, the hair's getting shorter, but I mean, still, still, still great, isn't he? And Please, I thought he's we... looked he's looked older, if I'm honest. This year, I feel like he looks a bit different to other years. Do you not think? Yeah, I feel that there's a few extra wrinkles. A few For uh... example, look at this one here. He looks a lot younger there, doesn't he? Than some yeah. of these ones. Are we gonna see skinhead Rafa win Roland Garros? That's what I want to know. Come on, just shave it all. We'll go full on Agassi <laughs> and we'll win Roland Garros. With a bald head. That's what I want to see. Looking like mean and like that could be the new Rafa, new breed Rafa. I love this Rafa with the pits out. The <laughs> pits out Rafa. <laughs> pits out. Oh my god, I don't know what's going on here. Hang on. I'm gonna close the window one sec. This is no worries. Uh let's go moving on anyway. Um, I think we've done a lot of these. We've got Joe in here. Pompilano saying Rafael Nadal just become the only man in tennis history to win 22 Grand Slams and he did it while wearing a $1 million yeah. Richard Mill. Is it Mill or Mille? Yeah. Richard Mill watch. Yeah. Richard Mill. I know you're into your watches. Um, the watch weighs just 30 grams. Only 50 copies exist and it can withstand 5,000 Gs of force. I know. It's I saw watch that. Here. It's a bit mad, isn't it? I didn't realise he was wearing that and I wasn't sure if it's... Um, is this purely for sponsorship? Does he have to wear this? Maybe. I'm not sure. There's but... got to be something in it. I, you'd expect it to There's be that. Me... But he was wearing a $1 million watch while you played. I thought that was part quite of me, insane. Part of me thinks that he didn't buy that watch. <laughs> I think that may have been may have been a gift <laughs> from uh, Richard Mill. But I Are you did... suggesting he couldn't afford to buy it himself, Ben? He could buy many. He could probably buy a couple with just the prize money. So yeah. it's... Uh... I just yeah, apparently that... it is a sponsorship. I thought it would be. Cheers for that, Lydia. The, lo- the longer you, or the more money you get, the less money you have to spend. Everybody knows how it works in the uh, limelight. Maybe one day we'll get one of those watches. I wouldn't want one. I'd be too scared. Yeah, um, true. But this is a player we do know quite well, Ben. Uh, David Ferrer, and he's had his hey, piece to say. And he said, Rafa on the doubt is the greatest player of all time. He's a big admirer of him. Of course, I think he is a little bit biased being from Spain and having <laughs> a such bit. a good relationship. They're good friends as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought I'd include this because it is really David nice. Ferrer, someone we've had on the podcast. Um, in terms of what's happened, how the numbers have aligned, 14 in Paris for Real Madrid and he was there and then 14 for him in Paris the week after. Crazy, isn't it? 
Looks almost like a football manager there on the left. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like he's on the touchline. Like, yo, over there, get back. (laughs) Maybe he is. Maybe he's a football manager. Future Real Madrid manager, maybe. Rafael Nadal. What do you think? Mm, Not so sure. Not so sure. Uh, This is his photo suit. Uh, We always always love a photo suit of him. By some, where is it? The exact Alexandra the Third Bridge in Paris. Nice. Um, looks happy as ever. Look at him. Yeah, How many right. photo shoots has he done? He's always he's always wearing his jeans as well and the polo top. I've noticed. Yeah, size too small as well. Um, it gets the ball little logo in. He's never no. not got that there. No pit, no pits out in that one. No pits out. <laughs> Um, and here we go. This is Rafael Nadal, potentially. <laughs> Roland Garros 2050. Like, hear me out. Roland Garros 2050. Can uh, Rafa still do it? This is what he could look like. Still got the hair, Ben, but it is really fading at this point. How <laughs> has he still got that? He's done what it looks like similar to now. It's, it's actually improved a little bit. I'm not sure. But it's got like a side part in as well. He's gone for a little different style, maybe, but... <laughs> Nice I like the beard though. Uh, I'm hoping we get to see that rapper beard. I mean, joking aside, the reason all these memes are coming out is because you look at him there and the dominance is just remarkable. I mean, 36, he's played against what a 24 year old in the final and he just still is able to do something like that. I mean, he's an absolute weapon, the guy. How can he? It makes you wonder like, he's got all these issues with injuries and problems he's had over the years, but he can still produce the best tennis in the world. He is a real phenomenon, and I don't know when it's going to come to an end. Like, it could go on for another few years. I and I'm know. all for it, by the way, guys. I love it. I'm I'm on cloud nine right now. I mean, it's really hard for me to even do this podcast and digest what's happened and the magnitude of Rafa. All of the things I've been fighting my whole life for against everyone. Every debate I've got into with tennis, I've spoke. A lot of my sort of people I speak to are all Djokovic fans. Uh, let me just clarify that sort of people off the stream. And it's very difficult often to get through to them because they've always got a better case, I've felt, in recent years. They've always got the head-to-head and this and that. And they always show me all these different statistics and how Djokovic physically looks a lot better than what Rafa is. To have this moment for me is huge. I can I finally feel I have a real good um, leg to stand on and making a case for Rafa being the greatest. And I'm all for it. So it's a big, big, big uh, few weeks for me. Oh, most definitely. I think it's that. I think that extra one just like it's just that helped get fight the corner, isn't it? I mean, we know that with Djokovic, it's like the weeks at number one, the Masters things, like and all of the end of year World Tour final. Like, there's those things that are all in there. But now you're the two's won like all the Masters more than tw- two times and stuff like that as well. But that's what I mean. But now you're two slams ahead. You're starting to pose the question so to speak a bit more like like the Djokovic fans are going to be a little bit more riled by the fact that it's going to take a while now to get those back because even if he wins one you're still behind and he's going to have to win three more to overtake Nadal which is not easy really isn't well we've got Garion one of my favorite Djokovic fans and he's saying don't forget how dominant Nole was in Rome just three weeks ago Rafa didn't destroy him at Roland Garros. A few key points decided things on Rafa's best surface. I would agree with a lot of that, but I did feel 
Um, maybe destroy is a big word. I don't think he did destroy him, but he was far superior in that match. And I'm not sure if it was just down to the surface. Of course, that plays the biggest factor because it is his best surface and it's really sort of tipped the scales between their matchups in the past. I think we saw it's what, 20 and 8 on that surface mm. or then hard the other way around. Yeah. 20 and the other way around for, for, for Djokovic. So, of course, it makes an impact. But I still feel it was as close to destroying him as you could get without saying destroy. Uh, I know what you mean, but it seemed very one-sided, Gary. No offense, Nadal was the far, by far, the better player. We saw even Isovich, um He come out and talked about uh, Novak Djokovic's body language as maybe a deciding factor. Possible. Um, I don't know when Rafa plays in a certain way at Roland Garros, though. I don't know if there's and it's been proven already in the 2020 final. It just doesn't matter who you are. You can be the world number one and you're not going to be able to beat him on that day. And I feel that there was spells in the match where Djokovic came back into it. Obviously, he was what was five two up in that fourth set, and then just Rafa. If his level goes up, then it's hard. It's hard to even stay in the match when you're leading the match. And that's the thing. And he was leading that set and it all sort of unraveled. He had the set points, didn't manage to take it. And Rafa took that uh, and, and the match in the tie break. And I think it was still, it was still a probably, well, for me, the most entertaining match of the tournament, for sure. The other Zverev one was very interesting. Wouldn't say it was high that high quality. Oh, no, it wasn't set. as high quality, definitely not. But it was still More very ent entertaining. Yeah, very but entertaining. The Djokovic-Nadal uh, was, for me, the, the tip of the iceberg as well. Definitely. But you got to remember what happened coming into the tournament as well. Djokovic was on a 10-match unbeaten streak. We hadn't dropped a set in 10 matches. So he'd won Rome, didn't drop a set. Won all of his matches up to Nadal, didn't drop a set. And then he comes up against Nadal and gets beaten. And that's like, you could be in your best form ever. And it doesn't matter at Roland Garros, it seems. that it There's just another beast on the other side of the court that is hard to tame. And the only way we saw Rafa really losing in this tournament was when he was the one messing it up. And he when he messed it up, against Kasper Ruud, he got broken. He was 3-1 down, then he turned it around again, and then he pulled it back. And it was against Zverev, similar as well. Wasn't playing very well. Or Zverev was playing great. That's that's disrespectful. Zverev played great in the first set. Yep. He really deserved the set. Couldn't close it out uh, because of his serving. And Rafa just showed, just, I don't know what, I don't even know what style of tennis that was. It doesn't, it doesn't have a category. He just suddenly pulled out just a ridiculous winners at times when you think, it's just easier to go safe. He just pulls out the best best of him. I don't know how it happens. It's just one thing that you get to see it only from those top players. That's the that's all I say. I don't see that coming from anybody else on the tennis tour. So it's pretty amazing what he's done, to be honest. And it's on his racket. This whole tournament was on his racket, I feel. Yeah, no, agreed. There's some stats here. I know you wanted to bring them up. Um, and it is phenomenal when you see it in black and white. So now in best of five on clay, Rafa's 137 to three losses. If Roland Garros, you know, it's 112 three. <laughs> uh, uh, 48 and to, to love to begin his career. 40 and, and two versus top 10. So you can't say he's not playing the best players. He plays top 10 players as well and still beats them. The 21 and love in finals. 18 and love in Davis Cup. 10-2 and two versus the world number one. 
uh, eight and two are Roland Garros, and five love in fifth set. So if it ever goes to five on clay, you're doomed. And I mean, you're pretty doomed in, in any other situation, I guess, on clay. It is it is just madness. I don't know. These figures just don't really make any sense. Like that, it's are we going to find out that yeah, he's in black, some... white, and blue? Yeah, Colin, there's a bit of blue in there. Are we <laughs> Good comment. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Are we going to find out at some point that Rafa Nadal was from a different planet or something? And that's the reason. The reason for the foot isn't because of uh, its actual pain. It's because it's like some sort of lizard foot or something. I don't know. I'm just clutching at straws here. I have no idea how he's able to keep playing. Uh, it seems like he's from a different planet sometimes, especially on the clay courts. Let's uh, roll on next roll on Garros, though, for sure, because I'll be interested to see if anyone can compete again. <laughs> I mean, what what Rafael Nadal definitely has is his hard work ethic, which no one can, can seem to compete with. And I don't think that ever leaves you, unfortunately. So mm. it's always going to be very tough for when I say unfortunately, I mean, for the other players. Yeah. I saw Sissipas tweeted something about it. Um, but I don't think I've got the tweet to hand, but maybe I can read some of it out if I find it. Yeah, cheers, um, cheers to Gene. He's just sent another super chat in. Really appreciate that, buddy. Means a lot. So, sorry, I'm just going to get the tweet right. up. Uh, let me uh, just get this up. I can't put it on the screen because I was on my phone. So he said, "Congratulations to your outstanding achievement, Rafa Nadal. It just goes to show that hard work, passion, and a never give up attitude really goes a long way. You have put your time, heart, and soul into this, and your perseverance made this." number 14 and a lot of what he talks about is the attitude of Rafael Nadal we're not seeing that from the next gen coming through I mean it's going to be really no. difficult to reciprocate Rafael Nadal's attitude but Alcaraz I think is as close as what we're going to get but would you put that this whole tournament for Alcaraz is a bit of a disappointment I wouldn't personally I think he got to the semi-final no he got to the quarter-final lost to Zverev Zverev played great it can happen I mean Zverev almost beat Rafa on the Dow as well in the next round. If he didn't get injured, we don't know. May have beaten him. Um, so I don't think Alcaraz can be too, too disappointed. And I thought he fought really hard against Ramos Finolas to come back and save their match points as well. Um, but there is definitely that fight and mental side of the game missing still from the from the younger players. I think that's evident, isn't it? Most definitely. I mean, that's very showed that as well because he should have been two sets up. Definitely. I have one that we. If he had some composure, he would have been two sets up. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, he would have served it out. I mean, that's the one thing that's always been his Achilles heel. Sorry to uh, speak about his injury a little bit. It's not really his heel. But uh, the one that we bypassed was Musetti, really, at the beginning. I think that's a that's the perfect example of what we're talking about. Somebody who gets to the perfect position to win a match and then just, just capitulated again uh, at Roland Garros and... It's he's going to have to really do some hard mental training, Lorenzo Musetti, to to because I feel that he could go deep in Roland Garros. Uh, it's just there's just something that's not there. He doesn't quite have what Alcalaz has in that never say die attitude, the similar to the Nadal, where every point you'll work for, every point means something. I don't care if I'm love forty down, I'm still running full clappers to the net to try and get that ball to try and win that because the next point might be mine as well. And that's, you can't really, I don't know if you can teach it like that type of thing. It might just be something that's inbuilt in people because Alcala seems to have 
that a lot more than what even yeah. someone like a Sissipas or maybe even someone like Zverev. Zverev. Yeah, it's Zverev, like it's not, I don't know, they're a bit shaky when it comes to the real crunch time. I think Daniel Medvedev you can excuse. I think mentally he's shown he's a little bit more resilient with what he's been yeah. able to do in his career, uh, but just obviously not on the clay. He's still got that sort of block on the clay, not really at the level, but it was still an encouraging tournament from him on clay considering it's not his best Felix, surface. Another one. Uh, Felix, Still, the question marks are still Chapeau. out in terms of, yeah, all of them. There's there's so many, but Felix is still improving a lot faster than some of the others, I think. And coming onto the grass, I think that sort of cues nicely because that yeah. is his best surface. And Rafa Nadal come out and said, I'm going to be at Wimbledon if my body is ready to be at Wimbledon. Nobody wants to miss Wimbledon. I know you spoke about it at the start. Felix is a contender. Berrettini's back this week. Yeah. He's playing in an event at 250. I believe, is it one of the ones in Germany? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And we've got a few other players who we know can play on grass. Marin Cilic is looking good at the moment. Maybe he mm. could go onto the grass and be dangerous. Ugo Umbert, some of these guys who Her we catch. like on this surface. Her catch, of course, the big serve. Where do you rate Rafael Nadal's chances of a Wimbledon if he is fit and if he is able to play it? Uh, this year, with the lack of people, I think and I said give me your four, top five think... in order. Where do I think he can get to? Where does he in rank in the top five of a, of a Wimbledon? Before we know any draws or anything like that. We know he's I'd not say... going to be taking injections in his foot. That's not going to be... That's not That's not possible. So there may be a situation. You've got to factor this in now. If he is to play Wimbledon, he'll have just anti-inflammatories on the foot. And if the operation or the, some of the things he's doing at the moment to try and yeah. help the nerves isn't to be too successful and he still opts to play Wimbledon, and mm. with just the anti-inflammatories, it could still flare up and we could see a Shapoval of Romanson at Wimbledon. Yeah, you've got to take that into account. You've got to account. consider that. Uh, with that in consideration, I'd still have him in my top five. I'd still have... I think I'd have, obviously, Berrettini, Djokovic. They're up there because they're last year's finest. Berrettini looks like an So absolute... you'd put Berrettini above uh, Nadal? Based upon what you've just said, yeah. If his foot was feeling fine throughout the whole tournament, I'd have Nadal in at second. But if his foot... Alcaraz? I don't know. I've not seen him on the grass yet. I'm assuming he would probably be all right. I'm not going to... This is the thing. Everybody's been so big on Alcaraz, including me. But until... When I was watching that Roland Garros, there was something that I just thought, as soon as he came up against Zverev, before the match, I just thought he's going to lose this match. I just had a feeling it's not your time. This is not your time yet. You're going to be taught a lesson here in this match against Zverev that to be put back in your place, your time will come. So I feel like it's still going to be a little bit like that for Alcaraz for this first, uh, well, I say it's not first year, but it's his first big year into slams and stuff. When he's in the top 10, that type of thing. I think he might do all right. He could see a quarterfinal, but I don't know if you'll get more than that from Alcaraz at the moment. Uh, for... Do you know what? I'm, I'm sort of sneaking in there at fifth. It might surprise you. You're Shang. not gonna. You're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sneak someone in there at fifth. Let that is good. I'm interested to know what you have to say. <laughs> I think Casper Ruud could do very well. Ooh, Reason being, his serve is very good. And people don't understand how good his service is. I think he was had one of the most aces at Roland Garros. He's considered as a big server with the likes of uh, first serve win percentage, one of the highest up there with the John Isners and the Pelkers. That's going to help him. 
And he's got the overall game as well. There's not many weaknesses. The backhand, I think, would, would get a little bit exploited. And I don't yeah. think I've seen enough of him on grass to suggest that he can do something massive. But the way he's progressed and able to transition to the hard courts more from being initially a clay quarter, I actually sneak him in at number five as a bit of an, a bit of a, a name I'm not sure many would agree with. But I like Casper uh, Rude's chances to be in the top five. I put Rafa in there as well. But he, I agree with you. He's going to be more down in third or fourth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he is going to be slightly down. I think Hercatch could be in my top five, though. I think that with the obviously the lack of the Russians being there and Belarusians, he could have... It's just all dependent on draw, but I feel like Hercatch really showed what he's made of at Wimbledon, and I really like him on that surface. As long as his serves pop in, he has a chance to go at least quarterfinals, I think, uh, who be Hercatch at Wimbledon. Yeah, and let's let's bring it back to Rafael yep. Nadal. Sam asked a really good question. Appreciate the super chat, Sam. I know you're very excited about Rafa. And let's Cheers, talk, let's end with this. So, what was your favorite highlight of Roland Garros? I'm going to reword the question, and it needs to include Rafael Nadal. So, what was your favorite <laughs> Rafael Nadal? <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Well, you could have your favorite highlight, non-Rafa and Rafa. But let's no, start with the Rafa. This one. is a Rafa. This is a Rafa. It is pod, a Rafa so. podcast. Yeah, yeah. So. What is your favourite Rafael Nadal highlight of this year? I mean, there's a few to choose from. Yeah, there and is. I've not thought about it before the question, so you're going to have to give me a second. But I understand your one of being the 6-2 tie break. That passing shot where he's on the run, he come yeah. back. It looked like Zverev had the point. Um, How could I it... believe it was at 6-4 when he was 6-4 yeah. down. Six, that was four. a shot I really like a lot. And it's one I always remember. Um but I'm going to go straight in there then. It's going to be against Novak Djokovic. And I think the the great... Well, there's, there was loads against Djokovic, what I really liked. But believe it or not, I liked the match point. It wasn't one of the best shots, but it was the, <laughs> I liked the match point. The reason being, Djokovic, I think I saw an interview with him or something saying he wasn't expecting it from Nadal because it was one of Nadal's... Out of all of the match points and uh, points he wins... The backhand down the line is not the one he gets much joy from. Yeah. I think maybe Nadal was speaking about it. The backhand down the line is not one of his biggest shots where he wins matches off or gets many of them. Yeah. To end that in that way against Djokovic, I think he was rooted. He wasn't expecting it. I loved it. He mixed up the rally. It was a really good rally before that. And then he hit that backhand down the line. For me, that was my moment of the tournament because that's the moment Rafa what beat Novak Djokovic. He got into the semis and it was a shot which we don't see very much from him. I think that's yeah. some good reasons I've given there. And I'm really happy with that choice. For me, I'm I'm all the way with Sam H on the 6-4 point. Uh, I don't think I've seen anything quite like that type of... It It, was the, it wasn't just the, the final shot. It was the shot before that as well. I thought that the rally was possibly over when it went out wide to his backhand side and he sort of slid all the way out there sliced it just back over the net and then it got fired into the other corner and to see him tear into the other corner and then just to hook it just enough to go over the net and pass Ferev. I was like, I can't, how has he done that? That's not even human. Uh, so that, I think it's just going to be one of those highlights that goes down for years, that one. Amazing. Fair enough. We've got John Silk. In how are we doing, Silky Boy? Hey. Saying uh, match point was a winner and a backhand winner down the line, one of his trickiest. Cheers, John. 
are yeah. backing that. He's backing my. Uh, I don't know if he's agreeing with me and saying that that his that's his favorite as well. But it certainly was a very iconic moment. Yeah, it um, was. MQR makes a good point, and maybe we should end on this. And that is, I'm just happy that we live in an era of the goat. We are very fortunate that we've got three guys who have been able to do what they've what they've done. And let's not take anything away from Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic have been able to achieve. They are legends of the game as well. They make the sport better all collectively together. It's a it's a great um, atmosphere, makes it competitive and they all boost each other up. And ultimately, the reason we're able to see such a good Rafael Nadal is because of the likes of uh, Novak Djokovic yep. and Roger Federer because he wouldn't have been pushed and motivated as much as what he has done now without them as competitors. So shout out to them as well for making a very competitive era of tennis as fun as an enthralling as it is. And that's how we've got to see this graphic here with Rafa and 14 Roland Garros titles. I totally agree. A big shout out to, uh, to MJ, who's just sent in a massive oh, super MJ. chat. Vamos! A big one there. Really appreciate that. But I do echo what JG is saying. And this goes across not just tennis, but everything in the world, any discipline. If you have people who are great at something and somebody else who's great at it comes along, all it should be, you should be thanking these other people for pushing you even greater. Because that's what happens in every, it doesn't even have to be sport, in life, in everything. You need these people to be sort of like uh, rivals, to help each other, push each other. And that's how we witness greatness. So an amazing, an amazing end to an amazing tournament, an amazing man, Rafael Nadal with 14 Roland Garros's, mate. Yeah, I think we wrap it up there. I'm so glad Rafael Nadal proved some of the doubters wrong, including that man over my shoulder. He thought Novak Djokovic could beat him in the quarters, and he he fought wrong. He fought wrong. So bad then. <laughs> That's bad what then. I get for that. Um, but yeah, I can understand your reasonings behind it at the time. Let's end right now. Make sure, if you haven't already, hit a like button on the video. Subscribe right now. Rafael Nadal has done something remarkable it is for me one of the greatest things ever it's one of my favorite moments of the podcast he's done it he's 122 we'll be of course speaking about this for the coming weeks uh hopefully we'll have a silk report this evening if john silk doesn't let us down i know we're all really excited myself included to hear what he has to say yeah join us for that and well there's only one thing really left to say and that is Vamos Rafael Nadal! Hey! Vamos! Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.